Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, November the 8th, 2022. It is currently 10, 13 a.m. Central Time. I was going to say 10.33. It's 10.13 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, there's probably a lot of things we could talk about today. I mean, I, I think there's some things going on in the world today. I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's a slow news day. Probably nothing to talk about in the news. Okay, I'm, I'm somewhat joking. There's always things to talk about going on in the world. You know it. I know it. We can get distracted by it. We can get preoccupied by it. We can get emotional about it. We can get all caught up in it. And typically all it does, for, for at least for Christians, is it either kind of pulls us in to this world, and this becomes basically an idol, our preoccupation, our focus, and it distracts us from the Word of God, the things of God, and, and the purposes of God, and what God calls us to do. We get, we get sidetracked, we get distracted. And so, I'm here on this Tuesday, November the 8th, to say, okay, look, all that stuff's going on in the world, just ignore that for today, and let's focus in on God's Word, all right? For the today's focus for today, I turned you to Luke chapter 21. Well, I'm also going to give you something else to think about today. Not, I'm not calling it today's focus because that's that's a one-time thing each day. But obviously for this podcast, I'm always giving you plenty of things to think about. But let's give you one more thing to think about today, all right? And at least get started. I received an email. Someone asked a very important question, a question that that we could go in so many different directions with this. I have a feeling... I have a feeling that we have just stumbled upon a, a probably a mini-series. I, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that we've just stumbled upon a mini-series. So I'm going to have to contact my graphics department and say, I'm, I'm going to need some artwork so we can create a series. I, I'm going to have to. I, I just, I feel that this is going to turn into that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the reaction will be, but we, we've got some questions here that we've got to work on. And they raise a number of difficult issues, but I, I there I, I was I was debating with myself how do I do this right? Do I turn on the microphone and say someone asked this? I, and I know how most podcasters would do this. Hey, here's the question we received from you know Bob in South Dakota. All right, Bob's question is, and then boom, give about a five ten minute answer, and then just move on right. And and I think most people would appreciate that, but if you know me. Even if you were to call me on the phone and ask a question, you know you're not going to get a simple answer for me like that. Because what I tend to do is I don't like to give people answers. I usually will either give more questions because I'm trying to get them to think or, or to see it from a different perspective. I don't like to just say, here's the answer. I like to say, well, what about this? And what about this? And have you considered this? And you should think about this. And have you looked this up? And have you looked at this? Because I like to let people lead people to the answer. Not give the answer, but give them a map to get to the answer. Or give them a map to lead them to a hundred more questions. Because to me, it is the pursuit of the answer 
That's what's important. Sometimes I think the pursuit of the answer, the searching for the answer is more important than the answer itself, especially when it comes to the Bible and theology. And here's the reason why. If you're truly, now if you just call someone or just look in a book to find an answer, then okay, I, I guess the answer is the most important thing to you. But to me, when it comes to the Bible and theology, it's that all the time we spend checking this verse and checking this verse and cross-referencing and looking this up and what's the Greek word and what's the Hebrew word and wait, what's the historical context here? Hey, what's the background here? Wait, who is this person? When did this happen? The, when, the more we look into that, then the more time we're spending in God's word. The more time we are contemplating it, meditating on it, thinking thinking about it, memorizing it, studying it. And that is really the goal. I don't think the goal is just the answer. The goal is the digging into God's word to find the answer. And in that digging and searching, you are spending time inside the word of God instead of focusing on all the things going on in the world. I, I, I don't, and, and sermons are designed to just give people answers. And it drives me crazy. I don't, I don't want a pastor just to say, here, here's the meaning of the text. I want the pastor to go, okay, now this text presents about 15 problems. Here they are. Now we could go this direction. We could go this direction, but what if we try this? What if we try this? What if we try this and just spend the time, whether it takes six weeks, seven weeks, 10 years, I don't care. Just leading me through all of the twists and turns and problems and the ups and the downs and the valleys and the hills and the oceans and the creeks and and the the ditch, wherever we end up trying to figure it out. Not everyone appreciates that kind of teaching. Trust me, I know that. <laughs> Look at how many people attend my church. Not everyone appreciates that kind of teaching. They typically say it's too academic I, I no, because they want three points and they go home. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, guys. All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be trying to figure this out. I like, to, I like to make it feel like I want the people to be a part of the process. I don't want them to be a passive listener, but an active participant. That's why we do the Bible study exercise the way we do it. That's my philosophy and pretty much everything I do in Christianity is that it's that journey. It's the struggle. It's the trying to figure it out. And some people just want simple answers. Simple answers rob you of the journey and the and the search and the pursuit, and that's what really matters. Okay, I I, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I need to say focus, but I just I that's that's such an important concept to me. It's just such an important concept to me, and I wish I could convince more people of it. I guess my feeling is this. We've got 2,000 years of church history. We look at the church today. People have been given answers over and over and over. People have had their three-point sermons, nice, and they got the nice little introduction. It's all nice and organized. Got the emotional conclusion. We've got the PowerPoints. We've, we've got all that stuff. And the church today is more biblically illiterate, theologically confused, and have no idea about church history than they've ever been. So none of that worked. So I will argue, since none of that worked, blow up the whole system. Let's try something different. Is that is that is that is that crazy? I mean, it, it, what do they always say? The the definition of insanity is con continuing to do the same thing but expecting different results. All right, are you ready? Here we go. 
Here is the email I received on November the 7th at 7.17 p.m. Central Time. I have no idea what I was doing at that point in time, but I saw the email and I'm like, ooh, here we go. The email is entitled, Curse of Jeconiah. Ooh, the Curse of Jeconiah. Wow. That sounds like a new movie. The Curse of Jeconiah, coming to a movie theater near you, right? Or coming to your favorite streaming service, The Curse of Jeconiah. I, I think we should be able to remember that, right? I think so. So what, 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 what's the e- email about? It says, is it possible? It, is it possible if you could do a teaching on the curse of Jeconiah and why Luke replaces his name with Neri to show the lineage of Christ and why he is the Messiah? All right, so we've got a lot of things going on. Okay, who's Jeconiah? What is the curse? What's up with the genealogy and Luke? All right. So now once, now once you get into the genealogical questions, I don't know if you realize this, there's two major genealogies of Christ, one in Matthew and one in Luke. I'm assuming you all know this. And I don't know if you've ever compared the two, right? Just, just if, you, if you don't have anything to do today, just grab a piece of paper and just write down the names for the Matthew genealogy and the names for the Luke genealogy. And at times you may be going, uh, what is going on here? This is a little bit confusing. So we really have two issues. We have, who is, Je- well, really three. Who is Jeconiah? Three, two, what is the curse? Three, what is that? I, I, I guess we're going to have before. What does that have to do with the genealogy of Christ? And four, what is up with these gene- genealogical differences, the, uh, the differences in the genealogy, in the genealogy found in Matthew and in Luke? Probably he's even more questions than that, but those are the first ones that come to my mind, all right? Now, again, the goal here is to get you to participate, okay? The goal is to get you to participate, for you to figure this out. Now, they go on to say, I saw a commentary by MacArthur, and he indicated that although Joseph was in the lineage of Jeconiah, that because Joseph was not Jesus' physical father, that the curse was not applicable. All right, what can we do with this? What should we do with this? Well, there is so many things I would like to do, and I'm getting 900 news notifications. All right, what is the curse of Jeconiah? Jeconiah, that's spelled J-E-C-O-N-I-A-H, Jeconiah, is also called Jehoiakim, and they say that it, uh, at least according to one source, that 1 Chronicles 3.16 in the NIV gives that one. I'm going to look at it. Uh, yeah, it says the, uh, the successors of Jehoiakim, uh, Jeho- uh, Jehoiakim, his son, and Zedekiah, if I can get the names correctly. So, Jeconiah is called Jehoiakim, 1 Chronicles 3.16, at least in the NIV, because I'm looking at the NIV. The, the successors of Jehoiakim is Jehoiakim, his son, and Zedekiah, right? So this is important. Why? Well, here, here's what I would say. Here's, here's probably just the first thing you should do today. Bible dictionaries. Bible dictionaries. Bible dictionaries are your friend. 
you should have multiple of the, multiple Bible dictionaries in your home, on your Kindle, on your phone, wherever you can purchase them. Multiple Bible dictionaries. So whenever you come up to an issue like the curse of Jeconiah, the first thing you do before you before you look at a commentary, before you look at a study Bible, before you even try to answer the question about the curse of Jeconiah, is you got to figure out who was Jeconiah. And a Bible dictionary will give you the basics. Typically, they will give you all the other names in which they're known by. According to the source I have here, Jeconiah is called Jehoiakim in First Chronicles three sixteen, at least in the NIV. And according to this source, he is referred to as Coniah in Jeremiah twenty two twenty four. Coniah C O N I A H. And see what translation has that. The ESV has, and as I live, declares the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would tear you off. Okay, so it seems like Jehoiakim, I'm sorry, Jeconiah, is also referred to as Jehoiakim in 1 Chronicles 3.16 in the NIV, also referred to as Coniah in Jeremiah 22.24. So we have, we, have some, we have multiple names here. We want to keep those straight. We want to make sure that they're all the same people. This is according to one source. Now listen, 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 listen. If you know anything about me, a lot of times I'll throw some things out there just to see who will start digging in and see what they find and see if they find anything different, right? So I'm just throwing out some basic information. I want you to look it up. You look up multiple Bible dictionaries, right? Bible dictionary is your friend, okay? We should have done this as a Bible study exercise. May, I, may, I may post this in the Bible study exercise series. I may, I may, I may post this. This, this. Or do I just make this out its own? I don't know. I always, I, I always try to figure out where to place all the content. We just may leave this as its own mini-series. All right, but here we go. So let's go through this. Right, we're trying to figure out the curse of Jeconiah. The first thing we have to figure out is a little bit who he is. This is what we know. He has multiple names. Jeconiah is called Jehoiakim in 1 Chronicles 3.16, at least in the NIV. Let me see here. Let's see here. Let's verify. I got the King James right here. First Chronicles 3.16 in the King James. And the sons of Jehoiakim, Jeconiah, his son, Zedekiah, his son. All right, so they, uh, Jeconiah, in the, in the King James, it's Jeconiah. In the uh, NIV, it's Jehoiakim. All right, so, yeah, <laughs> that's... The, the, the wonderful parts of, of, of uh, Bible study is like, wait, so this person has multiple names. That's already confusing enough, but he only has multiple names depending on which translation you're utilizing at any given time. <laughs> hey, but nothing is confusing about the Bible study. It is simple. It is easy. Okay, all right. So here we go. Jeconiah is called Jehoiakim in First Chronicles 3.16. Coniah and Jeremiah 22:24. Let me look at that. Let me look that one up in the King James as well. The ESV changes it. Let's look here. Doesn't doesn't hurt to do some extra work here. 
Jeremiah 22, let's look at 24. As I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the, were the signet upon my right hand, yet I would pluck thee thence. All right, so the King James uses Coniah as well. All right, so Jeconiah is called Jehoiakim in the NIV in 1 Chronicles 3.16, but he's called Jeconiah, he, he's still called Jeconiah in the King James in 1 Chronicles 3.16. In Jeremiah 22, 24, he's referred to as Coniah in both the, and uh, in, uh, in, it looks like multiple translations, ESV, King James, I haven't looked at the NIV, but it seems most. So here's what we know. Jeconiah, he's a king of Judah who was deported as part of the Babylonian captivity, right? And I believe 1 Chronicles 3.17 has that, um, I think 1 Chronicles 3.17 indicates that. The source I have here has a reference to Esther, but I'm not not sure about that one. Since I'm not going to look it up, I'm not going to say, all right? He is also listed in the genealogy of Jesus and Joseph's family line, and they point to Matthew 1.12. Matthew 1.12, I'm going to look at it here first in the King James. Matthew 1, 12, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah uh, begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat uh, Zerubbabel, all right? So we have him uh, mentioned in Matthew 1, 12, and and they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah. So he's in the lineage of Christ in Matthew. Verses chapter 1, verse 12. That seems to be confirmed, right? So, Jeconiah, known by different names, was a king who was deported to Babylon. That seems to be 1 Chronicles 3.17, possibly a reference in Esther. I'm not so sure about that, but we'd have to look that one up. I'm not going to look that up right now. He is, it seems dogmatically, a fact that he's listed in the genealogy of Jesus and Joseph's family line. All right, so, there's nothing controversial about that. That has nothing to do with the curse. So what, what do we do? So where is the curse that the emailer is asking about? Well, the curse of Jeconiah is found in Jeremiah 22. Hint, that's where you may want to spend some time today. All right, I know you're in Luke 21, but you may want to spend some time today also in Jeremiah 22. The Lord likens the king to a signet ring. Remember, we kept I kept reading a verse there referring to this. On God's hand and a ring that God will pull off, according to Jeremiah 22, 24. All right? It's a signet ring, and I'm going to pull you off my hand. I'm going to pull you off my finger. Right? Then God seems to pronounce a curse. Record this man as if childless, a man who will not prosper in his lifetime, for none of his offspring will prosper. None will sit on the throne of David or rule anymore in Judah. This seems to be coming from Jeremiah 22, verse 30. Let's look at it. Jeremiah 22, verse 30. 
Jeremiah 22, 30. All right. And then my head for my Bible, for my Bible, uh, Jeremiah 22, starting in verse 24, there's a heading. Coniah's seed shall not rule. Well, Coniah is Jeconiah, Jehoiakim, right? It's, it's the same one. It's Jeconiah. So here is the curse of Jeconiah is that his seed shall not rule. And then if you look at verse 30, it says, thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. Okay, well, wait a minute. Do, do, are you starting to get a little nervous? He's in the genealogy of Jesus. If Jesus is a descendant or in the genealogy of Jeconiah, don't you see the problem? Then how can Jesus ever sit on the throne of David? I'll read it from this source. The problem is that the curse of Jeconiah seems to invalidate Jesus' right to the throne of David. The Davidic covenant promised that the Messiah, the son of David, would reign forever on Jerusalem's throne, 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 11 through 14. If Jesus is the descendant of Jeconiah, then how can he be the Messiah since the curse bars any of Jeconiah's descendants from assuming David's throne. What do we do with this? Is there an easy solution? I don't know. So here's, here is what I'm going to get. Here's your, here's your homework. First, Bible dictionary entry for Jeconiah. Just look at it and just summarize it. Right? Just summarize the basic. Just you all you want to do is like, okay, just think of it, just think of it this way. Think of it today, you're meeting a new friend at the coffee house. And this person's name is Jeconiah. And what you need to do is just get to know them. Just know what we what why is Jeconiah, why is a curse placed upon him? Why? What does this curse mean? Does the Bible dictionaries acknowledge the curse? Does the Bible dictionary address the problem that this curse leads to? Why is he listed in the genealogy of Jesus in the gospel of Matthew? Why, 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 why? We've got questions. We've got questions. Right? Don't, don't you? I, I do. I, I, I. So just, that's the first thing I want you to do. Just, just look that up. Then I want you to look at three commentaries on Matthew chapter 1, verse 12 and see what they say when they record these words. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Salathiel, and Salathiel begot Zerubbabel. What do they say about Matthew 1.12? Do they even go like, wait a minute, Jeconiah, why is Jeconiah there? Jeconiah, is, why, why is he here? Why is he in the genealogy? Why, ladies and gentlemen, we have a, the curse of Jeconiah uh, rises here. What do we do? What do we do? So spend some time with Jeconiah in a Bible dictionary. Look up three commentaries on Matthew 1.12 and see what you discover. Who acknowledges it? Who deals with it? Who skips it? All right? Those are two things. Third thing we'll do is use 
the Edify Christian Podcast app or Sermons 2.0 and just do a search for the curse of Jeconiah and the very first sermon that shows up, the very first, hit play. All right? And just write down what they say, all right? Now, now or you can just, or, or if you don't want to, if you want me to review it, just the first one you find, send me the link to newsif at yahoo.com and we'll do a review of it. It may, it may be turn out to be good, it may turn out to be bad, but we'll listen to it together, all right? That's what you want to do. Now, back to the email, they asked, why did Luke replace his name with Neri? Why did he replace his name with Neri? Well, this really leads to this question. Why are Jesus' genealogies in Matthew and Luke so different? Because trust me, they're very different. And trust me, Neri is the least of your problems. Let me just give you a little information. Jesus' genealogy is given in two places, Matthew 1 and Luke 3. We know that. Matthew traces the genealogies from Jesus to Abraham. Luke seems to trace the genealogy from Jesus to Adam. However, there is good reason to believe that Matthew and Luke are, in fact, tracing entirely different genealogies. For example, Matthew gives Joseph's father as Jacob, Matthew 1.16, while Luke gives Joseph's father as Heli, Luke 3.23. Matthew traces the line uh, through David's son Solomon, Matthew 1.6, while Luke traces the line through David's son Nathan, Luke 3.31. In fact, between David and Jesus... The, uh, the only names the genealogies have in common is Shalatiel, right, and Zerubbabel. That's it. Uh, I want you to hear that. Between David and Jesus, the only names the genealogies even have in common is Shalatiel and Zerubbabel. What? And, there, and there's Matthew 1.12. There's Matthew 1.12, right, where uh, Jeconiah shows up, right? So that's just that's just interesting, okay? Um, now, uh, there's there's a lot of there's there's some point to these differences to explain maybe an error in the Bible, a contradiction in the Bible, and but it I mean at times it it almost it, it, they look almost contradictory, but it would seem inconceivable that they would build two entirely contradictory genealogies after the same lineage. It just seems it seems odd. Now, for example, Matthew gives Shealtiel's father as Jeconiah, while Luke gives Shealtiel's father as Neri. Now, there's the Neri that shows up. That's important. Because, wait a minute, is it Neri or is it Jeconiah? If it's Jeconiah, Jeconiah is in the genealogy. If it's Neri, then Jeconiah is not in the genealogy. That that could be some issues. It would be normal for a, for a man named Shalatiel to to name his son Zerubbabel in light of the famous individuals of those names, and they say, "See the books of Ezra and Nehemiah." One explanation held by the church historian Eusebius is that Matthew is tracing the primary or biological lineage, while Luke is taking into an account an occurrence of. Leverite marriage, or Levirate marriage, depending how you want to say it. If a man died without having any sons, it was a tradition for the man's brother to marry the widow and have a son who would carry on the deceased man's name. According to Eusebius's theory, Malchi and 
Mathen were married at different times to the same woman. This would make Heli and Jacob half-brothers. Heli then died without a son, and so his half-brother Jacob married Heli's widow, who gave birth to Joseph. This would make Joseph the son of Heli, legally, and the son of Jacob, biologically. Thus, Matthew and Luke are both recording the same genealogy, but Luke follows the legal lineage, while Matthew follows the biological in other words, there's something going on why these are different. Now, that's just Eusebius's idea. One's kind of going the, like, as they say, one is recording the genealogy from a, from a legal lineage, right? From Leverite marriage, right? Okay, of, of, well, this one didn't have a son, so then the brother w was with the widow to have a son, uh, you can, or a biological. So legal or biological. That may explain the differences, but when you ask, why is Neri there and not um, Jeconiah? Well, now th that gets to the deeper question. Why are the genealogies different? Why are the genealogies different? Now, what I would challenge you to do is look up Neri in a Bible dictionary. Look up Neri in a Bible dictionary and see what you discover about that individual. Are you, you're going to spend some time, in, the, in a sense, in the coffee shop with Jeconiah, Right? You're gonna you're gonna spend some time trying to know everything you can about Jeconiah. Well, look up Neri. Who is he? It may it may. I'm not saying it's going to help. I'm not saying it's going to lead to any any amazing discoveries. But you just have to realize these two genealogies seem to be tracing the same genealogy from completely different perspective, and 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 there there's lots of theories there. I would just say what we have to figure out is, is Jeconiah in the genealogy? And if he's there, then how, what happens to the curse? Like, how, how, how is Jesus have a right to the throne if the curse prohibits any, any descendant? Again, let me tell you, the, the, the curse is that Jeconiah seems to invalidate Jesus' right to the throne of David. That is serious. That is serious, 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 serious. And this is the stuff, this is the kind of thing that, that shows up on YouTube videos, shows up in all kinds of blog articles, usually on sites that you may not know much about, because this is the kind of thing that people will raise questions and go, see, you can't trust anything in the Bible. We, we've got some questions here. We've got some questions. All right. And, uh, well, there's more I want to say. There's more I want to say, but I, I, I can't, I can't, I don't want to give anything away. I don't want to give it anything away. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. And if I said levirate, Marriage, I think, is what I was trying to say. I'm thinking if I'm if I if I said something incorrectly. Lots of names there. Lots of and I'm and I'm trying to stop myself from going too far into this. I could give you possible solutions. Now, the uh, the emailer offered a possible solution when he said that, according to uh, MacArthur's commentary, is that Joseph was in the lineage of Jeconiah. That's because Joseph was not Jesus' physical father, or, or physical father. Right, let me read this again. I saw a commentary by MacArthur, and he indicated that although Joseph was in the lineage of Jeconiah, that because Joseph was not Jesus' physical father, that the curse was not applicable. D do you think that works? 
What do you think? 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 Again, Matthew 1, 12. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begat Shalathiel, and Shalathiel begat Zerubbabel, all right? Sometimes I say Salathiel, but it's Salathiel, Thiel. That's that's the way you should say it. Depends on which Bible I pick up. That's the problem. Some of the Bibles break it down, like how to phonetically say it, and then other Bibles just have it written normally. So when you see it normally, you want to say it one way, and when you see it broken down, then obviously you want to try to to say it in a phonetic, following the phonetic breakdown there. But okay, neither here nor there. Uh, So, wow, so much to consider, so much to consider. What do we do? What do we do? I've given you your homework, okay? You want to uh, look up Jeconiah in a Bible dictionary, spend some time finding out all the information you can. All right, someone just said, I think the Bible can be confusing sometimes. I, I'm shocked that you would draw that conclusion. I don't know how you could draw that conclusion. This is clear as, as mud. Okay, no, this is, it, it, it can get confusing. But, but these are the issues that typically are not brought up in church. See, in church, you, don't, you just want to even go into this. In church, you just try to skip this. Or you just try to make it sound like it's so simple, you know? Because, I mean, how much time do you really work on the genealogies? I mean, really? I mean, how much time? It's really spent. It's hard enough just saying all the names, right? I mean, I, I'm having, I, I was having a hard enough time saying Shalathiel, right? I was having a hard enough time saying, uh, yeah, Shalathiel, when I, because I know I was saying it incorrectly when I was reading it in the other Bible, all right? So it's hard enough just getting the name straight, but you got all these names. And then what's even more confusing is that, well, wait a minute, Jeconiah is referred to by these two other names. And what, wait, well, and one of the translations, but in the other translations, it's not. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Someone says, uh, probably not putting God first enough. Yeah, that's, 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 that's why we're having so many difficulties. That's uh, from our sermon review, if you, if you heard it. But uh, so here's what you need to do. Here's what we need to do. We need to look up Jeconiah in a Bible dictionary and just find out all we can about him, right? Just make sure you, you know him. Go ahead and look up uh, Neri. Look up Neri in a Bible dictionary. I'll just put these two together now. Look up Neri in a Bible dictionary. See what you can find out about good old Neri, right? That's N-E-R-I, right? Good idea about them. Then I want you to look up in a, I want you to look up at least three commentaries on Matthew one twelve, and see if they say anything about Jeconiah being right there in the genealogy. I want you to, I want you to just see if you can find that. Then I want you to look up on Sermons 2.0 or the Edify Christian Podcast app. You should have both on your mobile device. Do a search for the curse of Jeconiah or just put in the name Jeconiah and see how many sermons show up. If you find the very first one you find, if you want to listen to it, great. If not, just send it to me. We will review it. It may, may turn in. I'm assuming if they put Jeconiah in the title of a sermon, they're going to address the issue. That's going to be my assumption, whether good or bad. If they put Jeconiah in the title, they're going to be dealing with the issue. You could also put Neri and do a search for Neri and see if you find any sermons in relation to Neri. I don't think Neri will show up. Jeconiah, I mean, come on. There, there, there's enough issues surrounding this. And we've just got to figure out so if Jeconiah does belong in the genealogy, which it seems clear right here in Matthew 1, 
then how does this curse work with Jesus on the throne of David? Does it invalidate Jesus' claim? Does that mean Jesus wasn't the Messiah? Well, I, I don't think the biblical authors, even if you go with some grand conspiracy, right? Why would the biblical authors then, you're saying they just made a mistake and nobody's like, hey, 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 man, come here, come here. Hey, over there in Matthew, do you see Jeconiah there? Who put that there? Remove it, remove it. Okay, the next transl- the next copy, Jeconiah gets, find someone else. Just throw in a, just a random name. Just throw in John Smith. Throw in something, okay? Because it, we can't have Jeconiah there. So on one hand, the, people always try to act like, you know, there was some grand conspiracy to translate it a certain way. And, and they manipulated the copies to leave things out. But then in other cases, like, see, there's a mistake right here. Well, is it either they were a, a part of some grand conspiracy or did they make a mistake? And, and if you claim that the, they just changed the Bible whenever they wanted to in copying, then why wouldn't someone later just left that out? But he seems right. He seems to be right there. Now, is it possible that, yeah, Jeconiah is in the lineage, but it doesn't invalidate Jesus because Jesus was virgin born. But then... If that inv- if his virgin birth invalidates someone being in his lineage, now this is this is, I I think I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. If you're like, well, Jeconiah is right here in Matthew one, that curse should be applicable, and you say, no, 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 it's not applicable because Jesus is virgin born. Well, if him being virgin born invalidates any negative thing in the in the in his genealogy, what is even the point of the genealogy? Why do you say, well, he has to trace his line through David. He has to trace his line through Jude. He has to show through genealogical records that he is the Messiah. Well, on one hand, you can't say he's got to prove the genealogical lineage to prove he's the Messiah, but at the same time say, but if sh- someone shows up in the, the genealogy with a curse, well, that's not valid. That, that, that doesn't invalidate anything because he's virgin born. Well, if he's virgin born, then what's the point of the entire... Why, why does any of the genealogy matter? I think, I, think that's a de- I think that's a good question to ask if you're playing the devil's advocate. I think that's a very good question to ask. The curse of Jeconiah. The curse of Jeconiah. Now, I understand when we get into the differences here of the genealogies, just seems like it's according to Elise Eusebius, it seems that Matthew and Luke are recording the same genealogy, Joseph's, but, but Luke follows the legal lineage while Matthew follows the biological. So if Matthew is following the biological lineage, Why would he follow the biological lineage when immediately you get to Jehoiakim, or, or Jeconiah, I should say, Jeconiah, and immediately, like, well, see, Jesus is not truly the biological descendant because Jesus was virgin born. Why even trace it by the biological lineage if as soon as someone shows up in the biological lineage that would invalidate the whole thing? They're like, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. See, that I'm, I'm struggling with that. 
right? Hey, here, we're going to, we, we have to have the biological lineage. But since Jesus was virgin born, you see that name right there that's in the biological lineage? He's not really in the biological lineage because Jesus was virgin born. Therefore, this isn't a problem. See that? Yeah, we got to. We got, we got some questions here. We got some questions here. We do. We do. We do. do. I, I, I'm not liking that solution. The more, the more I talk about it, the more I, I'm having trouble here. Um, yeah. Okay, there. I, I, I'm thinking of, of some other solutions. I'm trying to work through this now in my own mind. Now, now I am completely, I'm a little, I thought the virgin birth thing was a good answer. I thought it was, but I'm starting to kind of talk myself out of that. I'm like, Jesus is virgin born. So, you know, that invalidates any curse that's in the biological lineage. Well, then what's the point of tracing the biological lineage? What does the biological lineage even mean if you say, well, you see that one right there? It doesn't count because Jesus is virgin born. Well, then how does any of the biological lineage count? If you throw one out, why wouldn't you just throw them all out? Why, would, why wouldn't Matthew just start? Look, there's no point in tracing the biological lineage of Jesus because Jesus was born of a virgin. He's the incarnated Son of God. We don't need the biological lineage. But everyone's like, no, this genealogy is so important because Jesus had to meticulously be perfectly in line with this genealogy because this proves he's the Messiah, except when you get to Matthew one twelve. See, when you get to Matthew one twelve, and it reads, and after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah, as he begot Salathiel, and Salathiel uh, begot Zerubbabel, just, just forget that, just forget that, just forget that. I see that's, I'm having a hard time with that. All right. This is exactly like the way I like to do these. Because see, now the emailer is going to email me back and go, you didn't answer one of my questions. <laughs> no, I didn't. Because I want you to participate in the journey and figuring this out and trying to come up with the best answer possible. All right. I'm, I, if I get another notification that it's election day, it's election day, right? See, you can get distracted by all of that, or now you're very, very much distracted by the curse of Jeconiah. That's far more beneficial than worrying about election results. Focus on Jeconiah. The election results predetermined by God before the foundations of the world. Whoever ends up in power, God put them there, all right? Okay, Jeconiah, Jeconiah, curse of Jeconiah. All right. I can't wait. We need a chart. We need a chart. Where's my chart maker? All right. We need someone to make a chart on all of this. Okay. We're going to need a flow chart. Okay. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to figure this out. Those on the discord channel, please throw out your, look, I don't care how crazy your theory is. I don't care how crazy your idea is. Let me know. You can email me news. If at yahoo.com, you've got your homework assignments. Okay. Bible dictionary. Jeconiah, Neri, three commentaries on Matthew one twelve, and find a sermon on Jeconiah. You're not going to find one in Neri. I don't think you will. I don't think, maybe you will, but if you do, uh, let me know. Edify Christian Podcast app for Sermons 2.0. 
The reason I'm going to limit to those two sources, because that's easy to tell everyone, hey, if you want to find this sermon, download the Edify Christian Podcast app or the Sermons 2.0 app. So, and those are just easy apps to have. There's a good resources. Anytime you have a Bible question or anything, those two apps, you can just search and find content that will, will help you with your question. So there you go. Obviously, we're going to have to return to this, so we will soon. All right, we've spent 44 minutes on this. This was supposed to be, I had, originally, this was designed to be like about 15 minutes long. I was just going to be like, hey, this is the question. Everyone work on it today. Here's your assignments. But then I start talking myself through this going, huh, wait a minute. I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works. I don't know if that works. I, I think we have to be careful not to get too bogged down with the differences in the genealogy yet. I don't think so. All right, but email me. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a wonderful Tuesday. And uh, we'll be back on the air throughout the day. Hopefully confusing you more. No, hopefully trying to uh, help you focus on the things of God. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.